Hello, Text Talkers. Edwin here. I have a brief announcement before we get into the actual episode today. Andrew and I just want you to know that in order to make sure all episodes post on time and without missing any, we have to record these weeks in advance. That's why we don't talk about any current events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Since we never know what the state of things will be on the day the episodes actually air, we just focus on the text we're talking about. However, we want you to know that we are obviously aware of the state our communities, country, and world is in. We are not ignoring or dismissing it. We are concerned. We are praying for you, for all our brothers and sisters, and for our fellow man in this difficult time. That being said, what better thing can we do while we and our families are practicing some social isolation than to talk about God's Word? So, keep us in your prayers, and we'll keep you in ours, and let's get today's episode started. Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome back, Text Talkers. We're with a new episode of Text Talk. We're looking at Acts chapter 9. Edwin, what are we reading today? I'm beginning in verse 1. going to read about the first half of the chapter. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that, if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, There was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened." Go ahead, Andrew. Well, so what I love about Acts chapter 9 is some of the great people that we are introduced to and some others that we catch up with as we've been studying along in the book of Acts. And one of these that we're catching up with is Saul of Tarsus. 
As he was introduced to us at the end of Acts chapter 7, we meet him at the stoning of Stephen. And where that righteous man had spoken only truth, the Sanhedrin council, they will not hear it, they will not have it, they cast him out, they stone him to death, and they were laying their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And it's Saul of Tarsus. As we pick up in Acts chapter 8, he is the one who is spearheading the persecution against the Christians, which drives them out uh, into many different directions. They go over everywhere preaching the word, as we were doing episodes last week about Acts chapter 8. We saw tremendous growth of the gospel amidst that hardship and persecution. But we did even notice at that time that Saul was relentless. He was busting into houses. He's dragging out men and women. He is imprisoning them. Inquisition tactics. This is religiously motivated persecution. It was wrong. It was unacceptable that these Jews were becoming Christians and um, following the way of Jesus Christ. Saul was going to put a stop to it. Well, here we are at the beginning of Acts chapter 9 and saying that not only Is he going to uh, ferret out, I guess, this blasphemy, this heresy in the town of Jerusalem? But he is looking for credentials. He is looking for letters from the powers that be to deputize him to take this persecution on the road. And so he is going to go to Damascus. That's the capital of Syria. He's going to an entirely different place. Wherever these Christians are going, he's going to follow them. And he's going to be... uh, be bringing the heat on them for this faith. And so, you know, you got to appreciate all of that to see what a transformation, what a change takes place here that now Saul, of all people, is going to become a Christian? This is incredible. It's a shocking choice. It is a shocking choice that God would pick out Saul to be the one who is going to be his instrument, not only to his own people, of course there's going to be some teaching that he does among the Israelites, but mainly he's choosing out Saul to be the instrument that takes the gospel, that spearheads the gospel message and proclamation among the Gentiles. What a shocking choice. And the first thing that I think about in all of this gets us back to some of the apologetic approach that we've taken to Acts. And that is, we've said all the way along that as we were looking at the first couple of chapters in Acts, as we were noticing how people were responding, how the apostles were responding, how the people were responding to the apostles, that it gives us this question that we have to answer. Folks want to believe that they can just ignore the question. I say we have to answer it. Something happened on that Passover weekend nearly 2,000 years ago, Mm -hmm. and I have to answer what was it? What happened on that weekend that produced what we have today? the Christian religion, the people who responded by worshiping a fella who died on a cross. People don't do that, but people did it with Jesus. Now, here's another question that comes up. Something happened on the road to Damascus, Mm. and we need to ask what it was. What prompted Saul to turn away from being on the fast track of popularity, of fame and power among that Jewish religion, that's the track he was on, to cause him to switch sides and go and be among the persecuted instead of the persecutor. You know, it's one thing for a nobody to say, you know what, maybe I'll, maybe I'll cast my lot with this group over here and maybe I can make something of myself. It's another thing for a fellow who's finding success, who's achieving the power and the fame that he might want to say, I'm going to give that up and I'm going to go 
I'm going to switch sides. Well, I tell you that along those lines, one of the things we see with Saul of Tarsus um, is maybe we can contrast it for just a minute with a fellow we talked about in the last couple of episodes with Simon the sorcerer. Okay, maybe there's some question about um, Simon's heart and his sincerity all the way along, particularly as he gets into the trouble of trying to offer money to to buy an apostleship. Uh, where do all your loyalties lie? And Peter makes it clear with a Simon the sorcerer that he didn't have part or parcel in this. With Saul of Tarsus, though, here is a fellow whose heart for the Lord uh, is prompting him to take extreme measures, extreme um, uh, obedience, I, I guess would be the word, that he had such a zeal for the Lord, he was willing to stamp down what he believed to be blasphemy. But my point is this, his heart is for the Lord. And so when the Lord appears to him, which is not unrelated to what happened with that tomb and these resurrection appearances. Here's another resurrection appearance. The Lord appears to Saul. Then then he's going to be with that Lord. And if that means a 180, if that means renouncing everything he'd been and done up to this point, then that's what it means. He's going to be with the Lord. Paul comments on this change in 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 12, as he's writing to his protege, and he comments on why he would be chosen, why God made this shocking choice. I thank him who has given me strength, Paul wrote, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Why this shocking choice? Actually, it's not all that shocking. God sat back and said, I'm going to take this extreme sinner and I'm going to save him and I'm going to do it so that all the other extreme sinners will know you can have salvation. I think it's a great point. What Paul understood is sincerity did not make it true. Sincerity did not make it right. He wasn't violating his conscience in persecuting the people of God, but he was no less the foremost of sinners for persecuting the people of God. And he needed a savior. He needed a savior. And God provided a savior, even for him. How much more will he provide a savior for me, for you, Andrew, for anyone who's listening right now, wondering if they can be saved? Yes. Uh, when he lifts himself up, and I appreciate you uh, reading there from First Timothy. The point is, look at me. I'm the sinner. If he can save me, he can save anyone. He also said there that he has been shown forth as an example of the Lord's patience and salvation. And that we can believe the same gospel that Paul learned, that Saul, Paul, learned that we can respond in obedience and be baptized just as he did. If, if you are wondering, can God forgive a sinner like me? The answer is Saul. Yeah. The answer is Saul became Paul. The answer is yes. Jesus died so that sinners like you and like me can be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, surrendering our lives to him. 
I want to think about one other aspect of this, and this is what Paul says when he wrote to the Corinthians, and he talked about the gospel. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's also known as Simon Peter, Yeah, Peter. then to the twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. He was the least of the apostles, but notice he was also the last of the apostles. He says this this appearance of the resurrected savior was last to him. He was the last to witness it. Nobody else has witnessed that. Not nobody after Saul, nobody after right. Paul has witnessed right. the resurrected savior. Nobody today has witnessed that. There's there's no other apostles. Mm-hmm. We have the same apostles that we have always had. Peter, Andrew, James, John, and that includes Saul who became Paul. Nobody else has witnessed that. So it's a shocking choice and that the Lord has chosen him among all uh, for this apostleship and particularly to to take the message to Gentiles, as we're going to see. Uh, But it's also a shocking choice the other way, that here's a man who would turn and renounce everything that he has and the track he is on uh, for Jesus Christ. In the book of Galatians, chapter 1, he writes a little bit about this conversion time as well. And he talks about how that change, that conversion, was such a positive influence and encouragement to others. It says they were hearing only that, uh, Galatians 1 verse 23, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. It was shocking to everyone else that Saul of Tarsus would become a Christian and become a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why don't we wrap up by praying to the God who makes shocking choices. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you that we can open up the scriptures and read from Acts chapter 9. Thank you that on this text talk we are reminded again of how you chose Saul for a tremendous mission and how Saul obeyed your word and chose to become a Christian. Such wonderful example here to follow, Father. For those of us who are far from you, may we be encouraged with hope that we can draw near. You've not moved away from us. We've moved away from you, and we can repent and return to you. We pray, Father, that we might be humble instruments in your hand and about your business and your work, choosing this day to serve others, serve you, live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.